Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're joined by Stefan, who is the founder of ASOT or AISOT. We'll find out how to pronounce it correctly. And uh, as you would expect, we're going to talk about you know, AI machine learning, uh, right? And uh, more specifically, predictive analytics in trading. Why is it needed? What does it do? How does that compare to algo trading or complements it or other solutions out there? And, uh, you know, how uh, Stefan became a founder after working for the government, but also working at, e- and, uh, at ETH, right? So uh, very curious to find out about his journey and his thoughts on, on this space. Welcome, Stefan. How are you today? Hey, Rudy. Thanks for having me today. Um, I'm doing very good. I'm looking forward to interesting discussion. Brilliant. So can you... Paint a picture. How did you get to what you do today? Uh, I mentioned that you, you know, you started with uh, ETH and other places, and now you're running your own business. So, how did that all come about? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question, right? Um, I I walked around with with the dream of of being an entrepreneur myself for for quite a while, um, though. As you said, there were some stations in between. So I started after my studies. Uh, actually, I'm a political scientist, um, and I studied uh, to work in, in, in public diplomacy. Um, and I had a, a station in, in the U.S. at the, the Swiss Embassy in Washington, D.C. And then I came um, back to Bern, and, and I started to work for the um, State Secretariat for Education, Research, and Innovation. And I was responsible for international innovation collaborations. Uh, so I really helped uh, inno- innovative companies in, in Switzerland um, and, and researchers to, to connect internationally uh, and to start um, projects together. Uh, and then I think it was in, in 2013 or so, um, I, I met with uh, Sandra Tobler, um, who is also as a founder and CEO in, in, in a startup these days, right? Um, uh, and we kind of talked about collaborations and we, we decided that we, that we want to do something for the uh, then um, just kind of really being in, in, in the start uh, of, of, of being founded, um, do something for the, for the fintech companies um, in Switzerland. So um, there were some popping up around Zurich and Geneva, and uh, we said, okay, maybe it would be interesting to connect them to, to um, similar companies around London and New York, and we, we organized a field trip for them. Um, and that's also where we kind of first heard and talked about the blockchain and what you can do with this fascinating new, new technology. Um, so um, we kind of were 
uh, going on that trip. And I uh, also back then always thought, oh my God, I, I really like what I do here, but actually I would even prefer to be on the other side and do something myself and, and start it. Um, so when I left the government, I actually wanted to start my own company, but then uh, I was in contact with a professor at ETH, um, his name is Dirk Helbing uh, from Computational Social Science, and he said that he actually would like to work with me and, and I could help him kind of um, streamline a bit his strategy and the research that he's doing. Uh, and I could do that part-time and part-time start my own company, right? And I thought, why not? That's actually not, not the worst idea. And then it was pretty clear pretty quickly that that this is, was a bit naive. So there is there is uh, usually no such thing as, as part-time working at ETH, right? Because there was a, quite a big workload. And, and, and uh, soon I realized I wouldn't have much time for, for starting a company on the side. And then also we won, we won actually a project um, application uh, for an EU project um, where we wanted to build what we call the finance 4.0 system uh, and the finance 4.0 system in basically uh, was was a distributed incentivization scheme for sus more sustainability um, so that communities could issue tokens um, for sustainable um, or collaborative behavior uh, and it would be kind of fully um, free to join if people would want to join such a system um, and so I, I, he asked me whether I could lead that project. So actually, I, I led that project um, at ETH for three years. Um, and that is also where I met my two co-founders, uh, Nino and Tien. Um, yeah, and then uh, with them, I finally then decided to, to start a company. Brilliant. And uh, especially that you mentioned Sandra, because uh, she appeared on this podcast already in 2019, I think. And uh, of course, the founder of Future Ray at the moment, right? Exactly. And, yeah. um, okay, so understood you early on were thinking about uh, having your own business, but I'm always interested in motivations as well. Why have you decided to start your own company, be your own boss, be an entrepreneur? You know, you had some contacts with, uh, with the, uh, the world of government or diplomacy, uh, academia, you could have done many other things. So why uh, have you always thought about having your own company? Yeah, again, I mean, uh, I was working with lots of founders and in innovative companies, and I, I always um, kind of admired what they were, have been doing. And, and uh, also for myself, I was always an entrepreneurial person uh, throughout my life. I was always organizing new things. Uh, even um, uh, when, we, when I was working for the government, we set up things like the Swiss Swedish Innovation Initiative and, and other things that we kind of founded uh, while I was there. So I always had a little bit this entrepreneurial gene in, in me, I would say, and, or this virus or whatever you would call it. Um, so um, uh, more and more uh, over time, I, I really kind of became clear that, that I want to, to be a founder myself and want to try build a company. Um, and as you grow older, you, you realize that you don't have time forever, right? So, and then when I, when I left the government, I thought it's probably a good idea to do it then. But then when I got offered a, a job at ETH, I also thought um, maybe, maybe it's not bad to come from ETH when you start your own company, right? And I can certainly meet talented people there. And that, that's really what happened. And, 
And so Nina and Tian, they were actually um, in, in, at the same chair or same professorship, uh, but they were working on a different project. But uh, interestingly enough, they were doing uh, research on, on novel machine learning um, algorithms uh, that can better forecast uh, Bitcoin volatility. Um, and they were invited to present that in Singapore at the International Conference of Data Mining. Um, and there was actually quite some interest uh, in the audience for, for what they have been doing. And back in the days, um, that those were mainly uh, arbitrage traders, right? Um, where the arbitrage opportunities were still, still bigger in, in, in crypto. And so they were approached by them uh, and uh, people asked them, how, can you show us how it's done? Uh, and, and they came back and asked me and said, Stefan, um, you, you are the guy uh, among us that, that knows most about entrepreneurship and, and these kind of things. And, and you always talk about uh, having a company. And we have been approached by, by this company and this company. And uh, what would you say? I mean, is this something that, that is worth um, looking into? And I said, yeah, sure, let's, let's look into what's possible with this technology. What's the potential market? How could we scale that? And we, we did a little bit of research and, and we came to the conclusion that, yes, let's, let's do it. Let's start a company. Um, and that, that was actually back in 2019. Um, so what is ASOD? I mean, what is the problem that you're trying to solve? And as I mentioned before, you label yourself as a company that provides predictive analytics for trading. So why do we need it? What for? <laughs> yeah, so we, we um, so it's called ISOT, right? We call it um, like 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 the iPhone, but but ISOT, even though um, it stands for AI systems and operations in trading. Um, so it can all, could also be AI SOT or whatever, but we, we, we think it's, it's um, better to, to call it ISOT. Right. Um, and ISOT produces next generation real-time insights for, for traders and asset managers uh, to help them take better decisions. Um, why are we doing this? I mean, it's, look, it's, it's quite clear. There's a growing class of people uh, around the world that can save money. Um, interest rates are at historic lows, um, trading costs um, are also declining. Um, so it's probably not the worst idea for, for many people to invest that money, right? But how do they do that? And most people don't really um, want to do it or also are not interested in investing the money themselves. So they, they need an asset manager, wealth manager, certified investment advisor. And, um, what, what numbers show, actually, from research, that is that most fund managers underperform um, as compared to, to a benchmark, which could be an index or so, right? right. Um, and we asked ourselves why. Um, and there's certainly different kinds of explanations. And one is fees, but fees are decreasing, as we said. And then we also see that there is an increasing complexity in financial markets, um, so, like real-time information, for example, is, is kind of getting a bigger and bigger share as, uh, on the total of, of information that, that is out there. So, it's actually quite hard to have all the factors under control that could influence asset prices. That can be things like order book information, news flows, uh, social media effects, um, and so on and so on. Uh, and with that, 
we also see an increasing influence of, of social events recently. That could either be a pandemic or, or social trading, such as Wall Street bets or um, asset, even assets reacting to, to social media, right? Everybody, everybody knows what Elon Musk can do with, with the Bitcoin price, right? with, with a few tweets. Um, so uh, how can these asset managers have an overview of what's happening in real time and get kind of their conclusions from it. Um, this is exactly where ISOT comes into play, right? Um, we provide these insights to the asset managers or the traders. Uh, we give them a statistical advantage for, for a clearly defined time period and a clearly defined um, use case that, that they need. All right. So... I mean, how how does it work in detail? Um, are you talking about like a news crawler, or are you talking about uh, you know getting insights from the order volumes or uh, the the markets uh, volumes and prices, or uh, how does that work in uh, in a bit of more detail? Yeah, it, uh, the, okay, the, the answer is it depends. It depends on, on the use case itself, right? And on the time horizon, uh, we would use different information for short-term predictions, for example, for a, for a one-minute um, Bitcoin directional price forecast, you would need other information than for a uh, three-month uh, volatility forecast for, for, okay. um, for um, equities, right? Um, but um, the most important thing here is that we actually have the tools or the machine learning tools and technology to dynamically combine the different um, data from, from very mixed sources um, so that we can listen to um, social media, we can take in news, we can look at the order book information where available and our algorithms will independently decide which factors um, are important at which point in time um, and thus ensure that, that uh, we actually uh, always give the, the most accurate um, information to, to the clients in, in the form of, of the insights and signals that we deliver it to them. I see. And uh, well, how good is it today? I mean, your predictors analytic system, do you backtest it as well? And uh, compared to certain benchmarks, so you can see clearly that if I've used this, I, I will be a better as active asset manager than I would have been without it. Yeah, certainly we, we have our internal um, quality control, as I as we could call it, right? We, we measure the performance of our forecast in real time, um, how accurate they are, but then also we, we um, can at any point in time we compute um, the PNL um, of, of very simple strategies that would be based on our forecasts, for example, um, and and then um, kind of all our all our algorithms are actually uh, or our models are retrained um, every night. So in principle, to, we can take in all the latest information um, on a daily basis. What we can do is is give clients a statistical advantage about things like volatility, volumes, or even directions that, that assets take. Um, but it's not only about predicting something, right, uh, these days, we, because our products increasingly concentrate on, on longer-term developments, uh, meaning we take all available information into account and uh, we apply latest research finding from machine learning, 
uh, on the steps that are taken along the whole investment process. So we, we also use machine learning for finding strategies or optimizing portfolios. In fact, our latest interest from clients is, is um, more and more around us producing volatility and covariance metrics uh, and then applying these insights to a portfolio optimization process. Um, and we also do more and more for classic asset classes, for example, um, equity portfolios. So we have clients that uh, in principle have been doing their, their kind of portfolios in a, in a, in a classic way um, for, for, for long time maybe they didn't change anything in, in their process for the last 50 years right and it's often based on, on fundamental uh, insights that they have um, and they increasingly get the feeling that they would like to get uh, additional insights for their portfolio optimization process um, things like um, the covariances or also uh, our volatility forecasts for for certain asset classes um, or then they go one step further, and, and that's, for example, what we discussed with, uh, with the turnkey asset, man um, turnkey asset management program in the U.S. Um, they would go uh, as far as uh, letting us kind of optimize a full portfolio based on our machine learning insights and, and processes. I see. So let's clarify, though, who are your target clients? Because you said before that, you know, people... Ideally, uh, not everywhere getting more wealthy, and therefore they they have more money to save. Um, and uh, on the other hand, when you talk about these solutions, it sounds like you target institutional clients. So, uh, how does that work? Who are your target clients? Mm. Yeah, I'm sorry for the confusion. I mean, um, but in in the short term, we clearly um, are B two B oriented. Uh, right. Meaning the meaning the the saver or the the, the wealthy individual um, would more indirectly profit from from our services. Um, we work with um, traders, we work with um, asset managers, uh, and we work with brokers and exchanges, uh, depending on the product line that that they would get from us, and mostly also from the the horizon um, that we look at uh, with with this product. So. Just some examples, right? The broker that want to hatch the client flow. Um, there we would give like some short-term signals around uh, directional moves. Um, or then for an asset manager, um, as explained, we would rather do some some things like weekly up to up to bi-monthly um, portfolio optimization uh, with them. So that it's all right, and how does your service relate to or differ from algo trading, right? Or can you embed it or can you work together or work against each other? Uh, in other words, you know, um, you can also program some of these things depending on what what happens on the market, right? So uh, are you going broader uh, with, with your service and, and how could you use this together or against it? Uh, usually, we, we would be the ones that inform uh, the algo traders, right? Um, so if, if you have, for example, traders that, that use algorithmic trading um, for prop trading, uh, often um, they, they often have like their own signals and insights, right? But um, they're, they're often on the look for getting, getting new insights uh, and new signals that give their, their models a, a new bias. Um, this is where, where we would come into play. Um, many, in many cases, we also see kind of algo traders that are, are rather 
active in, in high frequency or ultra high frequency trading. Uh, and there, usually, they, they have to trade a lot, um, which, com which comes at, at a certain cost, right? And the margins are, are rather low per trade. Uh, and what we then would give them is just um, insights over a slightly longer time period, let's say a few minutes. Um, and with that information, they can also try to, to kind of have trades that go into the right direction um, for a slightly longer holding periods than what they would usually do, uh, but would also kind of bring them higher, higher profits per trade. Um, so we, we work nicely together um, with, with algo traders um, in principle, especially the short-term signal, they're, they're, they're not very useful for, for somebody that uh, is, is still kind of um, trading by hand <laughs> in that sense, um, because you're most probably too slow to take up the information. So what we do is we provide our signals through, through an API um, then, a, then a trader can directly connect their algo trading systems to, to our signals um, and, and generate higher profits. Um, nevertheless, that's for the short-term stuff again, right? So, um, and then for the longer-term, um, kind of um, portfo more portfolio-related products, um, we, we, I mean, the, the delivery methods doesn't play such a big role, right? There sometimes we even just send send. Um, a document or an Excel or, or so, it's giving the, the new weights of the portfolio. Um, so that there is a little, uh, the, the methods of connecting to our client is then much, um, much more low tech on, on that then. Okay, understood. Uh, understood. Now that leads me to the next question. How do you make money? We have different models for different client types. Um, if you have a client that um, is, is in, in trading, um, uh, or in brokerage, um, we would usually um, go with the subscription fee to the signal uh, and we pack a, a revenue sharing component on top of that. Meaning that if we can more or less quantify what is the ex extra value that they generate with our signals, we would usually like to, to take a percentage of that extra value. Uh, and for that, uh, we would then lower the subscription fee um, accordingly. Um, that gives us gives us a nice upside, right? So the more successful we are, um, the the more we would earn, and also that kind of shows our clients that we that we um, like to have skin in the game, that we trust uh, our products, and and uh, and that really helps uh, approaching them. Uh, in in principle, when we when we work with asset managers that are more fee based themselves, right? Um, they usually take take a percentage of the assets on the management um, as a fee. Um, there, we then just um, do like some fee sharing. Right, and you're based in Zurich. Um, so, what are, where are you on your journey now in terms of products or geographic coverage and the ambition? And that my hint to you would be say something about global domination right mm -hmm. uh, yeah exactly we, we we started in zurich we were also we were also very committed to zurich right um and we have all been here at eth together we all still live in switzerland the founders um, one is in geneva two two here in zurich um and in principle uh, we want to grow our team here we want to base it here because we still also are very close to ETH. Uh, one of our founders still still has a part-time position at the ETH, so to just keep that relationship and be 
and exposure to the to the latest developments also in the field. Um, and so we we actually like to to be here and and the talent flow that that we have um, around Zurich. Nevertheless, our our business is is global, right? Um, so uh, in principle, we we said uh, we're global first. Um, we don't really um, care that much where our client is from. Um, Clearly, there are some sometimes regulatory things um, to to check before before onboarding a client somewhere in the world, um, but in principle, um, that's usually not a big issue. Um, and we're a digital only company. We deliver all our services online. We can kind of onboard our clients online, um, which makes things as much easier um, for for us. Um, we. Nevertheless, this is this is just organically grown like that. Our clients so far, our client base is, is mostly in Switzerland. Um, we're talking to some US clients right now, and I guess we're getting closer to, to signing some of them. Um, and then in principle, all, all the markets where we have a strong financial scene, um, mainly mainly around UK, but also then in Asia, around uh, Singapore, China, um, and, and clearly the US, the, those are places that are very interesting for us. Um, but it can also be any anywhere else uh, where, where we have a client that is that is interested. So we, we really, our, our goal is to, to become the number one provider for real-time analytics and, and forecasts um, around the world. Great. So... You kind of outlined what's coming, uh, but if there's anything else in terms of big milestones that you'd like to hit for the rest of the year or beyond, let us know. Yeah, um, so um, there's a few things, right? We we went through um, the F10 incubation program last year, um, and that ended in March this year. Um, we successfully graduated from that, and we got, got a convertible loan. Um, awarded um, for for being one of the top six companies in in that program, um, and uh, so we we started to grow the team a bit, and now we're actually at the point where we um, where we need to to really double down on that to 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 be able to move fast. Um, I think the timing is is great for what we're doing. We have a good team, um, so now we're actually just about to 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 have our seed round um in fact it's it's just tomorrow that I'll, I'll have another discussion with our lead investor um so um so we we're actually raising raising a round of, of one million swiss francs to to kind of um kick start the, um, also on the on the sales side to build a sale team and, and and to make our dev team bigger and stronger so that we can then also deliver um if if we um, scale quickly and onboard new clients our goal is then to to pass uh, 1 million um ARR over the next 12 months um i think that from from what we see today that's still still very realistic um, and then we would really like to to scale quickly and and grow um, our revenues beyond beyond uh, thirty millions over over the next uh, three years. So um, really prepared to to do that, um, and and it's going to be an exciting journey. Um, we also have new offices from September, so we're we have, we're moving um, as the F the F ten. 
Um, co-working part is, is closed. Um, they will close at the end of August, beginning of September. Um, and that means all the companies here have to find a new place. Um, we went together with some other interesting startups um, like, like Relio, um, Lina, um, and uh, Advisor and others. And we, we, we built our own fintech floor. Uh, that will start from September 1 at Holstrasse um, in Zurich. Um, so there will be, let's say, a new, a new home for, for interesting, um, innovative fintech startups in Zurich. Um, and uh, we're really thrilled to, to be part of that. And, and so, yeah, I mean, we're, uh, we're quite excited at the moment and, and we hope we, we can um, surf that way for, for a long time. All right. Well, great. Uh, well, my last question is, uh, where can interested parties reach you and who would you like to hear from most, whether that's potential clients or potential employees or investors? Uh, yeah, ideally, uh, ideally all of those. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Uh, so, uh, so where do they find you the most efficient way? Um, okay. The most efficient way is just to to write to me directly my email is stefan that's s-t-e-f-a-n at isot written a-i-s-o-t dot c-h um, isot.ch is also our website where you can find more information we're currently revamping that a little bit so that uh, the new version should be online soon um, and yeah if you if you're um potential client if you're a trade if you're trading or if you're a wealth manager or an asset manager um, and you would like to get access to to highly skilled machine learning team um, please let us know we'd be happy to to um, talk to you and see how how we can support you with our products um, if you're an investor um, please also reach out to us, um, even though our seed, seed round it would be too late for that. But um, as, as you all know, especially investors know, um, after a round is, is before the next round. Um, so please reach out to us as well. Um, and then um, clearly talents is, is the, the one thing that will be most important for, for the success of ISOT, right? We're, we're a company that is not built on any kind of commodity or, or anything, um, or, or even a patent or anything. We, we, we need the best people um, to drive forward our innovative products. Um, so we, we have good, good access to, to talents coming from ATR and other places, but, but certainly we don't see all of you <laughs> out there. So if you're interested to contribute, um, around data science, machine learning, but also from, from the sales or the marketing side where we will need people uh, soon. And if you like to be part of a, of a dynamic startup um, and work with us, just contact us. Yes, we'll be happy to, to meet you. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Stefan, and good luck to ISOP. Thanks so much, Rudy, um, for the discussion. And uh, yeah, hope to, to see you again soon. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, 
or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at voiceofintech.com. Happy to hear from you. Thank you.